The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. They brought this man to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. And now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. They answered him, you are born in utter sin and you would teach us. And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today I want to share with you how Jesus overcomes our suffering so that we might see and believe. I want to start with the climax of this story in this uh, situation that Jesus has found himself in today. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. See, the the whole point of this healing miracle is this moment, in order that this man might see and believe. This man was given sight. He faced a lot of suffering leading up to it. He was born blind, lived his entire life not knowing the images that were around him. He had disciples who were blaming either him or his parents for their sin that caused this blindness. He had friends and neighbors who didn't even recognize him, religious leaders who didn't believe him, parents who didn't support him, and then finally religious leaders excommunicate him throwing him out of the synagogue. 
And yet Jesus overcame all of these things, and he opened his eyes so that he could see and focused him on the joy of knowing his Savior, who helps with his current suffering and promises eternal healing. Now let's dig deeper into this story. First, we have the setup. And as he passed by, Jesus is on his way to somewhere. And this man just happens to be in his path. But like the Samaritan woman that we talked about last week, this is no chance meeting. This is a divine appointment that Jesus has with the blind man. Blind from birth. Well, if we think about that, that's an interesting metaphor for our original sin, that we are born sinful and unclean, spiritually blind, unable to see and know God. We're blind, dead, and an enemy of God, losing all concept of of what he looks like. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And we see in here a little bit of superstition intermixed with their faith, because it was a widely held belief in, in ancient Palestine that suffering, and especially such a disaster as blindness, was because of sin, and serious sin at that. And I think if we're honest and we think about it, we can be guilty of doing the same thing in in one of two ways. First of all, we can believe that when this world presents us with its brokenness and painful experiences, it's because we've messed up and God is somehow bringing punishment to us. But that's ridiculous because that would mean that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross wasn't quite enough and that some of us need extra punishment which is just a lie. Or we can go the other way around. We can say that when bad things happen to us, we can be like Job and shake our fists up at God and say, what on earth did we do to deserve this? We've been serving you and loving you our entire life. How could you let this happen? See, we've failed to see. In verse 3, Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. See, it's not his fault or his parents' fault. It's actually Adam and Eve's fault. Because of the fall, brokenness has entered this world. It's infected every piece of creation, including ourselves. Now, this sentence includes a a word but, and it's very, very important. It's not that this man sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, this is a a very strong adversative. It means on the contrary, far from that, anything but that, the exact opposite. It happened so that God's works might be shown today. Now, this doesn't mean that that God, before this man was born, caused blindness in him so that he would have to struggle his entire life just so that Jesus could show off a little. No, it means that in the brokenness of this world, Jesus has this opportunity now to show that he can overcome the world and the suffering in it, and God will be glorified. This man is about to have his eyes opened with the gift of physical sight and his heart awakened by faith to see Jesus face to face. God did not cause this blindness, but he overcame it, provided an opportunity for the man to see and know his Savior. 
But what about when God doesn't answer our prayers for healing? What if he says no or not yet? Can you imagine your witness for Jesus if, if Jesus never takes that away, that burden or a sorrow? That how you suffer well can be a, a beacon to the world of the trust and faith that you have in Jesus. To not languish in grumbling or complaining, but to boldly be confessing your faith. See, suffering is not an indicator of God's love for you. Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection is. So that's the setup. Now we have the miracle. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. Now this, this is weird. Like, Jesus, you could snap your finger, you could breathe into his eyes, you could, you could do anything, and you spit on the ground. You made mud, and then here's mud in your eye. Now, it's well known in the ancient world that, uh, that they attributed curative powers to saliva, so that kind of makes a little bit of sense, although if you spit in anybody else's eye, that's not going to do any good. Don't spit in your mother's eye. I saw that. I'm watching. And mud, dust and mud. Well, to understand this, we have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. When God created man out of dust and then breathed life into him. You see, what Jesus is doing in this moment is he is creating. He is recreating this man's eyes and giving him sight. And then it uses this word anointing. Anointing is this beautiful word that refers to how kings are brought in, how the Messiah was anointed. He was the one who was chosen and sent for a very special purpose. And so we can take this to mean that John using this word anointed means that this man has a very special purpose to reveal the glory of God. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now I can imagine that experience being incredibly, incredibly exhilarating. First he gets to the pool and, and he feels the, the cool water on his face and then he begins to see the sensation of light and then light starts to focus into colors and hues that he's never begun to imagine and then he sees figures, his family, his friends, himself. I don't know, they didn't say if that was exciting for him or, or, or disappointing, but, but he could see. Imagine the joy. Well, there, that was the miracle. Now here's the problem. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been born blind. Who is the they? Well, more than likely, the they comes from the preceding verses. It's the, the friends and, and neighbors that this man had seen and, and they didn't recognize him. They, they thought, well, surely this is just a guy who looks like the guy who was born blind. But it's in confusion. They, they take him, unable to make up their own minds, to lay the matter before the recognized religious leaders. So they go to the Pharisees. They'll know what to do. 
Now, of course, this was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened this man's eyes. Here he goes again, constantly doing work on the Sabbath, supposedly, in their minds, breaking the law. But Jesus, over and over again, loves to do miracles on the Sabbath because what he's doing is he is correcting a misunderstanding of what the Sabbath is made for. You see, the Sabbath, Jesus teaches, is not made so that we could serve the Sabbath as if us coming to church is a good work that God approves of. But Jesus does healing on the Sabbath because that's what the Sabbath was made for, for us to come into the presence of God and receive his refreshment, his healing, his life. This is exactly what the Sabbath was made for to fill a need that humanity was created with. Now, some of the Pharisees, they were divided. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? So there was division between them. See, their current worldview did not have room for Jesus. He didn't fit their understanding of the Sabbath. For them, he was either a sinner for violating their understanding of the Sabbath day. But on the other hand, surely no sinner could do such a thing as heal like he did. See, they only saw two options. Maybe sometimes we see limited options as well, but it's Jesus who knows all and can give us eyes to see another way. It's similar to the very beginning of this text if you think about it. Which one, Jesus? Did this man sin or his parents? Is it A or is it B? Well, no. (laughs) The option is neither. People will witness the work of God. Jesus is not violating the Sabbath by working on it. He's allowing the man who was born blind to be refreshed by his healing and to see his Savior with his own eyes. But this miracle does not induce faith in a community-wide scope like we saw last week with the woman at the well who overjoyed went and told all that she knew and many came out to see Jesus and many invited him to stay and he stayed two more days and many many more believed because of him we see something different here it stimulates the community into more vigorous opposition which is interesting because witnessing a miracle does not guarantee faith How many of us in our own hearts have that one time or another said, God, just do this one thing and I will know you're real. I will believe in you. God doesn't do work like that because sometimes miracles end up making people more angry than before. Like the gospel, we have the ability to reject what we have seen. This further reinforced that concept that Jesus spoke to Thomas after the resurrection, that blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Now this section in chapter 9 misses out on my my favorite moment in this pericope, aside from the, the statement and proclamation of faith, Lord, I believe. It's verse 27. And when in front of the questioning and challenging Pharisees for the second time, this man now asks, after he's been asked to share his story repeatedly, he says, would you like me to tell you again so that you can become his disciples too? And we see a little bit of his playful character or sarcastic wit. It also misses out on verse 36, which tells us that 
when Jesus heard the man had been excommunicated, Jesus goes and seeks him out, like the good shepherd searching for the lost sheep. Jesus sought the man out and found him. And here's the solution to the problem. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? You see, this, this man born blind who can now is the man who can now see is, is looking face to face into the one who healed him. He believes he is from God. He trusts what he has to say, and he is on pins and needles waiting. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Do you know that joy? The release from the weight of sin. The joy in the hope for the future. The knowledge that the sufferings of this world cannot compare to the joy that will be revealed to us. The kingdom of God. The world put right. All wrongs undone. All brokenness restored. And here's the result of that solution. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. And Jesus' words are plain enough. He came to save, and his judgment that he makes is based on faith. If there is faith, then you see and you believe. If there is no faith, you are blind and separated from God. The coming of the light shows who are spiritually blind, and even though its purpose is not to judge, it ends up doing that inevitably as a consequence. And it's so interesting to me that the man who was excommunicated from the church, the blind man who can now see that was kicked out of the synagogue, has been restored into a loving relationship with his Savior. And the church that was guilty of excommunicating the man are they themselves judged? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Kind of like if the shoe fits. And the words of judgment stick to the Pharisees. Their stony hearts reject it. And they are hardened even more than before. And the tensions continue to rise. The time of darkness is drawing closer and closer. And what a stark contrast, as I mentioned before, to the account of the woman at the well. She was in, or Jesus found himself in enemy territory, yet many came to believe. Now this healing of the man born blind who can now see is taking place in Jerusalem, and no one there looked favorably on what had happened. Seeing is not believing. Jesus, Jesus opens our eyes our spiritual eyes, that we might see. This man experienced a lot of suffering in his life. Many of you have experienced suffering in your life. Sometimes Jesus brings total and complete healing and gives you an incredible story to share. Sometimes he allows that suffering to persist and gives you the opportunity to stand strong and bold in your faith that your attitude would witness to him. May the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.